Well, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is kind of a part two to the sermon from last week. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Uh, I've been uh, going and reading that in my devotional times um, last year and this year. Uh, it's a newer translation that has come out, and uh, so I, um, I thought I would read through that in devotion. So uh, that, is, um, that is the translation I'll be using. Before we get there, though, let me give you a, just a real quick review from last week in case you weren't here, uh, because this will lead into what we're going to talk about today, about that we are the church. We are the church. We talked about last week that we were created, and we have been created to glorify God. To glorify God, this is the worship part of the purpose that we have for each and every one of us. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, I urge you, I urge you, the Apostle Paul said, to live your life worthy of the calling you have received. He wrote that verse to to believers, to people in the church in Ephesus. It is also very appropriate and was written as well for us, even almost 2,000 years later, for us to live worthy of the calling that we have received. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Paul also wrote in Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. I don't think it's very hard to understand what all means there, right? Do it all for the glory of God in our actions, our attitudes, our, the way we treat one another, the way that we, are, uh, that we live our life. People see how we live. They hear what we're saying. Do it all for the glory of God. Secondly, we looked at that we are created to be a part of a family. This is the fellowship part of our purpose in life. We are created to be a part of a family. The family of God, yes, but also a local church family as well. Ephesians 4 then in verses 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in all. If you have decided to follow Jesus Christ, if you are a born-again believer today, and you are uh, living that life uh, worthy of the calling you received, you are part of the family of God. The family of God is also referred to in the Bible as the fellowship of believers. As the body of Christ, we are a family together. We hurt together sometimes when, we, when one of us or maybe a, a family is hurting. We celebrate together when we have times when we are cheering each other on. Families do life together. It's more, though, than just fun together. That's important, but we are connected together even in a discipleship relationship with one another so that we are cheering each other on in our walk with the Lord. That is what is bringing unity in the church, oneness. Third, we also looked at we are created and we're created to live gracefully, to live gracefully. As a, as a believer in Christ, the Bible tells us that God's grace, that we are saved by God's grace through faith in Him. Ephesians 4, 7 said, Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. When we operate in the spiritual giftedness of God, we are living and serving through that grace that has been proportioned to us for God's and for kingdom's purposes. If you've truly experienced the grace of God in your life, you'll be thankful, and you should be thankful today for that grace. Amen? You'll also, I believe, you will be happy to serve the Lord. You'll be happy to serve and to give 
to God because he's given so much to each one of us. He's given his grace to us and his love and his mercy. And because of that, we should be thankful that he's called us to serve. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. We read, we'll read this together. I believe this is on the screen. Yep, there it is for us. It says this, And he, meaning the Christ, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, Let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. According to Wikipedia, according to Wikipedia, Marvel Comics first debuted and published its first comic books of the Avengers. It was called The Avengers Number 1 in September of 1963. It was before I was born. The Avengers consisted of, and I don't know how many of you uh, know the original cast of The Avengers, uh, but some of you may, ha- may know this, but it consisted, consisted of Iron Man, Ant-Man, Hulk, Thor, and Wasp. Five of them. Captain America. Some of you may be like, well, where's Captain America? He's an Avenger. Yes, he is now. Uh, Captain America, it says, joined the group in issue number four in the comics after they revived him. Um, I think he was trapped in ice or something. Um, uh, So the Avengers... Wikipedia says they are an all-star ensemble cast of established superhero characters. These superheroes usually operate independently, but occasionally they get together, they assemble as a team to tackle especially formidable villains. Over the years, the Avengers team has grown in its members. The Avengers are superheroes with superpowers, but together they're a super force or a super team. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as a believer in Jesus today, as an individual who has the Spirit of God living in you, which is the Holy Spirit, you have been created for a specific purpose You've been created for specific purposes in life. And because God has created you for purpose today and every day, He has given you certain abilities, certain talents, certain gifts, uh, certain uh, spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit uh, gives to you to be used for His glory to accomplish His purposes for the building up of the body of Christ together We are the church. Wow, there's one person that agrees with me, and that was my wife, I think. (laughs) Good timing. Together, we are the church. Amen? Amen. Yes, it's Jesus' church. He is the head of the church. He died and rose again for for his church, but we are blessed to be a part of his church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. I've been a a part of the church since before I was born. I heard somebody tell me that recently, and I thought, yeah, that's right. Before I was born, because my mother and my father were going to church even when I was in my mother's womb. Uh, So I was going to church before I was technically born uh, and breathing in, in this life outside of the womb. 
Uh, my parents were very active in the Cadillac Wesleyan Church, uh, even before I was born. So, uh, so I've been a part of the church for a long time. Uh, from day one, uh, from birth, I was uh, brought to church by my parents. Here's an interesting fact for you, and, and it's, it's interesting how sometimes we, we say the world is small many times. Uh, we, have, we live in this large world, but it becomes very small. When we first moved here, uh, we were introduced to Phil and Ann Roth. Uh, Ann Roth, uh, many of you know, Ann was um, a, a rooter. Um, is her maiden name. Uh, her father was a, a Wesleyan pastor, uh, even pastored in Clarksville. Uh, so Anne's very familiar with this, um, this area. Well, when Anne was growing up, Anne's parents uh, planted a church in Jenison, uh, on, in the outskirts of Grand Rapids there. My parents were, well, started going to that church. Uh, they were living in the Jenison area at that time. They were uh, getting their master's degree, uh, both of them from Michigan State uh, University. Uh, I'm not sure why they landed in Jenison to live instead of Lansing, but that's uh, what happened. Um, uh, they were um, Actually, I do know. They were teaching, okay? They were teaching, uh, starting their teaching career in Jenison. Um, and so they knew Anne as a, as a child. In fact, um, my parents taught Anne uh, probably in Sunday school or maybe in Bible school because my parents were part of that uh, church planting uh, plant in Jenison. Isn't that amazing uh, how that works? The world is small sometimes. But I have, I have great memories growing up in the Cadillac Wesleyan Church. Uh, as a child going to uh, CYC and, and vacation Bible school and being a part of uh, Sunday school and uh, just many times um, just uh, being a part of many exciting events over the years. And as a teenager, uh, we had several people. I, you know, I wasn't blessed to have a youth pastor in our, in our church, um, but we had youth leaders that were very dedicated to the Lord and dedicated to uh, being with us as teens and, and, and just living life uh, with us and being connected to us as teenagers. Uh, and I, uh, as, a, as a sophomore in high school, it was a, it was a time in my life where I, I was just kind of floating around. You know, I, I was in the church, but I wasn't really into church like I should be. I, I, was, I was kind of one of those lukewarm Christians. Where I was riding the fence where, you know, I, I could play the part real well in church. I could play the part real well around my parents and family, but, but then I wasn't really living it out in front of people, my peers and my friends. Until I was a sophomore in high school, and towards the end of the, uh, that year, I met an individual uh, uh, by the name of Wayne Otto, I uh, started a, a church in Ionia quite a few years ago. Now him and his wife are in South Carolina. But Wayne Otto, before he became a follower of Jesus, came up to me. He came up to a, 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 one of my best friends, uh, Tim. And he, just out of the blue, said uh, hello to us and wanted to come. Uh, he said he wanted to go to church with us. And it just blew us out of the water because Wayne had a background that wasn't, uh, he wasn't in church, he wasn't following the Lord like we thought we were, or trying to do, uh, but, but because of that, Wayne then later on that summer gave his life to the Lord, had a radical salvation experience in his life, uh, and Wayne, Tim, and myself, uh, Tim and I just also caught the fire of that young Christian's life, and the three of us then uh, made it our goal to to witness, be witnesses in our school. We wanted every single one of the, the people in our school that did not know the Lord to know Jesus. And so we, we did that together. And so I, so many great memories that I had growing up and, and so many things that God just, uh, just led in so many different directions uh, to, to lead up into these days of ministry. As a teenager and a, and a young adult, I'd often ask myself, and perhaps you've asked these questions as well, God, what really is my purpose? 
Well, yes, I, I claim to be a Christ follower. I, I am I'm a born-again Christian. I, you know, I, I believe the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, like the Bible says, but I, I don't really know exactly what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes even as adults, uh, I, I think we, we ask that uh, sometimes. Say, what, what am I supposed to be doing right now? <laughs> um, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Sometimes that, that isn't always easy to answer. But I believe God wants us to know what our purpose is. He doesn't want that to be a mystery. He doesn't want us just to, to flounder around as believers and as Chris, Christians, Christ followers, and just wonder what are we supposed to, to do as followers of Jesus? And what are we supposed to do as a church together? What is our purpose? I've asked that many times as a pastor. What is our church supposed to be doing right now? What is our purpose as a church? What is God's plan for this church body? Why does our church exist? What does it mean to be the church in 2022? What does that really mean? Well, throughout the, uh, the New Testament in the Bible, first of all, I want to remind us that the church is referred to as the body. The body of believers, the body of Christ. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, the verses that are read to you in verses 12 and, for, and verse 16, the Apostle Paul refers to the church as the body. The body there in both of those uh, verses. In Ephesians chapter 5, in fact, the Apostle Paul uh, does a, just a, an incredible job of taking... Uh, of taking the family and husband and wife and children and, and looking at that as um, uh, what are we to do as members of, of, of our physical families on earth, but also members of the body of, of Jesus Christ. And he wrote about Christ being the head of the church, the head of the body. It's his body in which he is the Savior, his church. My father-in-law who prayed for us today, uh, Especially, uh, Terry and I had opportunity to be with them um, in Coleman uh, right before they retired uh, from full-time ministry. Uh, a couple times we were there, I heard him say both, both those times, it's his church, he's the boss. God's the boss, I'm not the boss. <laughs> yes, I, I've, been, I've been, in a sense, hired or, or uh, called to be the pastor of this church and to lead in the way that God wants and um, has me to lead at this time. But, but ultimately, Jesus Christ is boss. He's the head of this church, of Pathway, a Wesleyan church. But what a privilege it is for those of us who are born again, who are followers of Jesus, that we can be a part of this church, of this body, a member of Christ's church. And this is greater than being a part and a member of the Avengers. Amen? (laughs) Because of the difference that Jesus has made in your life, the difference that Jesus has made in my life, we have opportunity each and every day to make a difference in someone's life. God has chosen you. He has chosen me to be an active part of His mission. And as the body of Christ The Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us the power of God for very specific purposes in life. Yes, we each have, as a a believer, we each are given specific purposes as individuals to be used to build the body of Christ, but we all, as a church, have specific purposes together as well. And this morning, I want to give you three of those purposes, or perhaps even remind you today of those purposes as we look at being a part and being the church of Jesus Christ. First of all, we are empowered to be evangelizers. It's kind of a big word. We are empowered to be evangelizers. Not avengers, evangelizers. 
Ephesians 4.11 tells us, we read this, that God has created some to be evangelists. They have been gifted and called specifically for the ministry of being an evangelist, for the kingdom of God. However, God has commissioned all of us to evangelize, to tell the good news, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell others about the saving grace of Jesus. Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we refer to this as the Great Commission. Jesus came to them, it says, referring to the disciples and believers that were around him at that time, also is the commission for us today. And he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, yes, we are to be his witnesses here in this community that God has placed, Pathway Wesleyan Church, in the surrounding communities, and all over this, um, this great uh, county, and state, and nation, and then the world. We are to be and go and make disciples. In 2019, statistics have uh, will tell us that in a six-mile radius of our church campus, if you were to go six miles in any direction, you would find that there are 19,000, and this was in 2019, There are 19,524 people that lived in in that area, in six miles around here. In 2010, okay, so I haven't seen statistics yet for the the newest census yet on this, but just to give you uh, this statistic, so it's probably even larger than that, but in 2010, the total amount of unclaimed or people that said they had no religious affiliation whatsoever in the six-mile radius of here is 66% of the population, which comes out to 12,779 individuals. Doesn't that blow your mind? That blows my mind in this rural area here. There are over 12,000, almost 13,000 people that need, to, uh, that need to be a part of a church body. Maybe they claim to know Jesus. Maybe they claim and they just say, well, I, for some reason I don't go to church. But, but they need to. They need to be a part of a local church body. That is our mission and part of our purpose today. We need to be seed planters all around here. This is the time of the, of the season and time of the year, isn't it, where farmers are out. Some of you are farmers here today. You're, you're out. You're tilling the fields, finally. Uh, my father uh, up in Cadillac, he told me earlier, um, yeah, it was early in the week, he said, uh, it's been so dry up there that they have fire warnings. Up there, and I said, "Are you serious? <laughs> We've had so much rain here. The farmers haven't had to, uh, haven't been able to get out in the fields like they should be. Um, but I've seen them out already, uh, tilling the the fields, getting ready to plant those seeds. We are also, as believers in Jesus, called to be seed planters or evangelizers, planting seeds for the kingdom of God. Now, you may be thinking like." like I have sometimes over the years. Well, Pastor Todd, I'm an introvert. I talked about that a little bit last week. I'm an introvert. You know, I'm not an evangelizer. I'm not like one of those people that get out there on the streets and 
and, and just uh, shout and have signs and everything else and they're shouting to, to, to get the gospel out. Well, Jesus uses us all, introverts, extroverts, people that love to talk, people that are uh, maybe a little bit more quiet, but there are ways that we can plant seeds for each and every one of us to do. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. If you're here this morning and God, or maybe you're listening online, if God has changed your life, if you've made that decision to follow Jesus and you're, you made a decision to walk humbly before Him and, you, and you're trying to live that, uh, that holy life in Him, God has changed your life. Don't hide that change. Don't hide it. Don't keep it a secret. Be willing to share with others what Jesus has done for you. That's what being an evangelizer is all about telling others what Jesus has done for you. We don't always have to have it all just word for word perfect. Tell your story. People need to know, what did Jesus do for you? In Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, it's a passage of Scripture there that Jesus is with His disciples and they just got back uh, from being out in the boat where they, they had the uh, great storm that came up and Jesus calmed the storm. Well, they got back to land. And when they got back to land, there was a demon-possessed man that met them. And this, uh, this man, uh, to make the story a little bit shorter, uh, he couldn't do anything about that in his own. But Jesus healed him of the demon possession, cast those, uh, those demons out into a, a group of pigs, those pigs uh, ran off into the, uh, into the water bed that was by them there and drowned off into that sea. And so the man was healed from his demon possession when Jesus healed his life. Following that healing, the man looked at Jesus and was talking to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go with you and be with you. And Jesus said to him, go, don't follow me right now, go and tell your family. Go and tell others what has happened to you. Go and tell others that you have been healed, you've been changed. Go and tell people your story. In John chapter 4 is another example that we can read in Scripture when Jesus is talking with a Samaritan woman. And Jesus is talking about some things about the, the well and the living water that he can give. And the, the lady at first is getting, she's not totally getting what Jesus is talking about, but um, she's um, talking uh, to him and he's referring back to some of the, uh, the Jewish um, uh, laws and the culture about the, the water and this well that um, uh, was a very historical well. And, and Jesus is saying, but, but I am the... I'm the living water. I can give you water where you will never thirst again. And, and the lady, something's happening in her life as she's listening to Jesus. And, and she goes after the conversation. And she goes to her, her family and the people and her friends around her, to the people that live in, in the town that she's from in, in, this, um, in the Samaritan village. And she tells them about this Messiah, this one that has come, this one that is telling her about this living water. And it says in verse 39 that because of her testimony, because of what she was telling them, it says that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus. They believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. What is your story today? What is your testimony? What has Jesus done for you? What is Jesus doing for you? Tell that to people. As the opportunities come up, as as God opens up those doors of 
of, uh, of opportunity. Tell people. Be willing to share that testimony with others. There's something very powerful in a person's testimony. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the good news. Your story is good news. Your story is good news. Here's a question that I have for you to to apply this purpose. I think it's going to be up here for you. And this is a question that I'd like us to ask on a weekly basis. Maybe we won't ask it out loud to each other, but I want us to think about this each and every week. How did you share the good news with someone this past week? How did you share the good news with someone this past week? Sometimes I may ask that question. I may give you opportunity to share uh, right there from your seat how you shared the good news with someone this past week. Those are powerful testimonies, powerful times of sharing uh, what God has done through sharing the good news. We are empowered to be evangelizers. Not only that, we are also empowered to be encouragers. We're empowered to be encouragers. I love this verse, verse 15, how the Apostle Paul starts out the verse and he says, Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Remember, as believers, we are graceful people. What we say and how we say it matters. How we act around others is important. This is a big part of our witness. Every one of us has the choice each and every day to either be an encourager or to be a discourager. We all have the choice. How many of you would rather be around an encouraging person? I would. Any of you like to be around discouraging people? Probably not. Turn to someone next to you. If you have to, you know, shake them, wake them up if they've uh, fallen asleep by now. But just turn to somebody and just smile. Just smile at them. Maybe tell them how nice they look today. It's easy to be an encourager. Yes. Smiling. Telling them how nice they are. Maybe thanking them for something that they did uh, today. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Uh, there's an encourager right in front of me here. Yes. Um, uh, uh, giving me encouragement because no one else was right next to me. So, yes. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. But it baffles me sometimes. It baffles me how we get around people who claim to be sometimes spirit-filled, entirely sanctified, filled with the Spirit, believers, and sometimes they do things or they say things that are so discouraging. And I think, really? Really, is the Holy Spirit living in you and you're that discouraging of a person? Now, I know that some days are going to be that way. Some days we're going to have life events that happen, and they're out of our control, and it's going to discourage us, and we're going to, we're going to feel down. We're going to be, feel defeated and discouraged sometimes. I don't want to be that person that says, oh, oh if, you're, uh, if something drastic uh, happened in your life, you need to be praising God and up and just joyful. Uh, well, there's going to be times of sorrow, times that we have to work through our difficulties and our hurts. But we are empowered by the Holy Spirit as believers to be encouragers. To be encouragers. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. When I hear that list or I speak that list out loud, that's an encouraging list, isn't it? And when we're living those fruits and the Holy Spirit is living in us and, and, 
and working through us and out of us, the patience, the love, the kindness of Jesus flows and, and makes us into that encourage, encourager as we walk in the Spirit, not gratifying the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit empowers us as followers of Jesus to encourage others. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. We read these verses, but I want to refer back to them. Paul said that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some prophets and teachers. And I realize today that um, because of time and, and also because of future sermons that um, I've been planning out and, and we'll be looking at uh, some of the gifts of the, the Spirit and spiritual gifts and things like that, I'm not going to focus on what each of those mean today. But come back um, in the future and we'll be talking about that. But here's what I want to focus on on this particular uh, passage in 11 and 12 with when it comes to being an encourager today. He goes on and he says, after being, uh, some are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, but here's why, to equip the saints. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. In other words, to build up the body of Christ. We're all part of that. We're all part of that. We are to be that, those encouragers. Galatians 5.13 says, serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. So we're supposed to speak to one another in love, to, uh, tell uh, things to people in love, but also serve one another in love. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. The word spur, there is an interesting word. It's, at, um, it's actually uh, from the, the Greek word. Here we go with my uh, uh, Greek uh, pronunciation. Parox, paroxosmos. Paroxosmos. Okay? It's close. Maybe. <laughs> but here's the meaning. That's more important, right? The meaning of the word spur in Greek is this. Incitement for good. Irritation. Also means to provoke. So in other words, to encourage with great passion. So to spur someone on towards love and good deeds, it's like you're, you're almost becoming an irritating person by doing that. You're encouraging them so much. It's like, why are you encouraging me so much? <laughs> There's never enough encouragement, is there? Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Build each other up. Here's a couple of questions that I want us to be asking each other about. How did you reach out to someone in need this week? It's a little bit different twist on that. Um, it's a little bit like how did you share your faith with somebody this week, but different in the fact that did you see a need around you and did you go to help or did you make an effort to help with that need? Here's another way to ask the question. How did you encourage someone this week? Very simple. How did you encourage someone? Maybe it's something you said. Maybe it's baking cookies for the pastor. <laughs> uh, maybe it's, uh, um, you name it. Uh, maybe it's calling somebody. Maybe it's texting somebody. Uh, sending an email and just saying, hey, I've been thinking about you this week. Hope you're having a great week. I love you. I, I care for you. If there's anything I can do to help you out, let me know. A very simple way of encouraging people. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be evangelizers and encouragers. 
Let's encourage each other and spur each other on to do that. Lastly, we are also empowered by the Holy Spirit to be edifiers. Edifiers. It's another interesting word. The word edify means to instruct and improve, especially in a moral and religious knowledge. To instruct and improve, especially in moral and religious knowledge. A word for that is uplift. Uplift. It also means to enlighten or inform. Another definition of edify means to build or establish. Or you could also say to inspire, to illuminate, or nurture. The word edify actually has Latin roots. It is from the Latin verb, which means to instruct and improve spiritually. It is actually based, so this, is very, this was very interesting when I, when I heard this part, or read this part of the definition. It, it, it has this part of the definition. It's based on the word for temple. Temple. Edify shares the spiritual meaning of its Latin root, but it is also used in general context to refer to the act of instructing in a way that improves the mind and the character overall. Why was that interesting to me, that word temple? Because in the Bible, the Apostle Paul tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, that he comes and lives inside of us in the temple that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit dwells in. No longer do we have to go to a temple uh, to offer sacrifices or, uh, or to go in front of a priest that, uh, that uh, does and offers those sacrifices to us or for us. Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. He died on that cross. He shed His blood. He rose again from the dead so that we could have his spirit to live inside of us as a believer, as a born-again believer in Jesus. In the temple, the Holy Spirit lives. So as disciples of Jesus, as disciples and as followers of Jesus, we are to be edifiers among each other. Edifiers, helping each of us to, uh, to be a better disciple for Jesus. A disciple who makes other disciples. Ephesians chapter 4 that we read, Paul says that we are to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. And we all grow into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Verse 14 tells us that when uh, that we will then know how to live according to the truth of God's word, and we will grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That is spiritual transformation, spiritual formation, growing in a discipleship relationship with Jesus, and also as we encourage and edify each other. Now look at verse 16 with us as we wrap this up. Verse 16 in Ephesians chapter 4 says this, From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. When I read that and I study that, I am encouraged today, and I want to encourage you to be a part of edifying the body of Christ, edifying each other, being, in a, being edifiers for the kingdom. That is the church in action. All of these purposes are the church in action, but, but as an, an edifier, you are, are acting out as a disciple of Jesus. Some, some people, I've heard this term, uh, you are an, an apprentice of Jesus, apprentices. We are learning together. We are helping each other to grow in our walk with Jesus each and every day. Here are some questions that we can ask. Who are you discipling? 
very simple question, but one that sometimes I have to stop and think about. Who am I discipling? If we're called to be an edifier, somebody who instructs morally, religiously, uh, instructs in the ways of Jesus, who am I? Who are you instructing or helping, showing the way to live like Jesus? Who are you investing in? Not financially, but who are you investing in as a as a a disciple of Jesus? Who are you helping to instruct and nurture in his ways? We are empowered to be evangelizers, to be encouragers, and to be edifiers. This is the church in action, and we are the church. We are the church. I want to encourage you today to go when we dismiss or after our conference today, go and be the church. Do the work of the ministry that God has called us to do all around us. It doesn't, it doesn't take going across the world. You can go just a few hundred yards away from where you live. Maybe you don't live in this six-mile radius, but maybe you have a six-mile radius around you of people that need to know Jesus Christ. As the worship team joins me up here in front, we have a song that we're going to close this part of the church service with, but as they do, I want to read this short paragraph to you from the devotional that we encourage you to be a part of on version throughout the week. Um, if you wonder, how, how can I get onto that devotional? Go on to our, our um, group website as a church. Now, there are two Facebook um, uh, ways that you can get connected with Pathway. There's a, group, a Facebook group that um, uh, is called Pathway Members and Friends, I think it's called. Uh, on that one, I think you have to uh, uh, check to, and somebody has to approve you to be a member of that. But, uh, but that is one that you will see each and every week. Uh, Don or Isaac puts on a link on there. Just click on that link. It'll get, it'll, you'll go right to version, right to that plan, and you'll just push the button there. Yes, I'd like to uh, be a part of that plan. Uh, another way to get involved with us on Facebook is just on our Facebook group, uh, Pathway, a Wesleyan Church. That's where we do our live streaming um, and our, our most important announcements are, are on that. Um, and, and anybody can join that uh, group at any time. But here's this paragraph from Church in the Wild. Uh, this is part of that five-day plan this week. And it says this. Our Sunday churches are about gathering together in unity, encouraging one another, fellowshipping with one another, worshiping God together, celebrating all He has done in our lives and being empowered to go out again. The purpose of the church is not the purpose of the church is not the church, but it is to bring life and reconciliation to the world. So when the church scatters, the real mission of the church begins. If the church meets for an hour a week, for the other 167 hours, the church is still alive and active, but not within these four walls. Sometimes, yes, there is uh, Bible studies, there's activities, and, and I... Uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in our conference today, but uh, we want to see more activities happening um, in here, and not just for activity's sake, but uh, spiritual growth happening in, our, in each and every one of our lives in, in these walls, but not just in these walls, but outside of the four walls of our church building, in homes, in offices, in schools, cafes, in the streets of our communities. We went on and said, from Monday to Saturday are the go moments. Isn't that good? From Monday to Saturday are the go moments. We come here on Sundays, we get recharged, 
We celebrate together. We're, we're encouraged to go out into the world and preach the gospel. But then Monday through Saturday is where the world work begins, isn't it? To be the, the encourager, to be the, the evangelizer and the edifier around where God has placed us in each and every day. The go moments. The go moments. I want you to stand with us today. And as we sing a song together, I want you to think about, uh, continue thinking about these purposes. And I just want to challenge you today to commit. And maybe you've made this commitment before, so maybe this can be a recommitment for you uh, this morning. But I want you to not just walk out of here today and say, well, that was a uh, that was a, a good message, that was some great music, you know, it was great to be together, and just leave it at that. No, I want to, I want to challenge you to a commitment today and call you to commit this commitment, to make it your desire today and each and every day of the week to go and be the church. Go and be the church as encouragers, edifiers, and evangelizers for the kingdom of God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, sing together as we uh, close this part of our service. And then we have one more uh, uh, part of this service that we're going to do together. So I don't want you to just leave as we sing because you want to make sure you're here uh, for the next part before we go into our conference time. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We continue to give you glory and honor and praise. Thank you for being the head of the body, the head of our church, the one who controls and and has control of it all. We're so thankful that you have blessed us to be a part of what you are doing all over the world. Use us, Lord, for your kingdom purposes. I pray that you will help us to have eyes that see, ears that hear, hands and feet that are willing to do the work of the ministry to go out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in the ways that you have called us to do. Help us to be missionaries of the gospel. We ask you for your help to be able to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.